So as we get started this morning, I have some questions and I'm going to need your help on those answers. All you're going to have to do is raise your hand so it's not very hard. So if you have been married for more than five years, raise your hand. All right, very good. Now, raise your hand if you've been married 10 years or more. Okay, how about 20 years or more? Okay, how about 30 years or more? How about 40 years or more? How about 50 years or more? All right, so we've, we've got two. How, how many years? 54. 52. And that is awesome. That is all right. How many back here? 62. Wow. That is awesome. I mean, all of you guys, that is, that is amazing. That's something to strive for. But I've got, news, I've got news for you. You're newlyweds. You are absolutely newlyweds compared to Zelmyra and Herbert Fisher. Before their passing, do you know that they were married 87 years? Some of you are like, wow, that's a lot. Some of you are like, wow, that is a lot. I'm not going to say who, but that's amazing. 87 years they were married before they passed a couple of years ago at 105. And so you can imagine being married 87 years. Somebody sat them down and said, how did you do this? And so they had a few questions. So I want to read to you what they said. They were asked, what made you realize you could spend the rest of your lives together? Were you scared at all? And they said divorce was never an option. So that was never an option for them. They were asked, what is the best piece of marriage advice you ever received? Respect, support, communicate with each other, be faithful, honest, and true, love each other with all your heart. And this is a picture of them uh, when they got married, when they were young. I don't know if we have that other picture of them after 87 years. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? So in love. Um, they said, you got married very young. How did you both manage to grow as individuals and not grow apart? They said, everyone who plants a seed and harvests the crop celebrates together. We are individuals, but we accomplish more together. And lastly, they were asked, what's the one thing you have in common that transcends everything else? They said, we are both Christians and believe in God. Marriage is a commitment to the Lord. We pray with and for each other every day. And that is amazing advice for marriage. And after 87 years, they probably have the right to say whatever they want. But it's, but it's also amazing advice in our relationship with God. It's amazing advice because marriage is more than just a man and a woman come together. It is a metaphor for the relationship that God wants with his people and what God wants with his church. So we're going to continue to go through the book of Malachi it's kind of a wake-up call to the people of God. God is trying to help them reignite their faith. And so I want to encourage you to open up the book of Malachi to chapter 2. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament begins. Malachi is the last minor prophet. He is not minor because of anything about his stature or the powerfulness of his message, just the length of his message. So we're going to look at chapter 2, starting at verse 10. Do we, all, do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? 
Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does that one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. When we, when we read the book of Malachi and we read this text, one of the things that hopefully becomes clear is that the people of God are on trial. God is putting them on trial. He's trying to give them a wake-up call. If we remember last time when we looked at the book of Malachi, God was saying to the people, you are not giving me your best. The people were not giving God their best out of their offerings, out of their livestock, out of their tithes. God said, give me your best. I don't want the leftovers. So God continues to kind of have them on trial because he loves them. And he wants them to understand the seriousness of their relationship with him. And so what he does is he points out that clearly they have broken the marriage covenant. They have broken the covenant of marriage between husband and wife, and God is calling them on that. See, marriage then and marriage now is more than just a ceremony. It's more than just people getting up in front of their friends and saying a few things and saying, oh, I do. In fact, when we look at Genesis, we get a real understanding of what marriage is. Genesis 2.24 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And that one flesh, husband and wife, are accountable to God. And what God was saying to, to these married couples is you are accountable to me as one. And what he was saying to the nation is that you are accountable to me because we are in this covenant relationship. And when you are unfaithful, that's a problem in a marriage, but it's a bigger problem in our relationship with God. So God says, why have you been unfaithful to one another? See, God made it clear that when they came back from exile, if you remember the book of Haggai, the people were exiled for disobedience for 70 years. God brought them back. They rebuilt the temple. Things were looking good. And God said, look, I only want you to marry people from the covenant community. And the reason that God wanted that to happen was that so there wouldn't be any kind of idolatrous kind of worship introduced into the covenant community. That everybody in the community would be worshiping God as one. But of course, what did the people do as a way of saying, thank you, God, for bringing us back from exile? We're just going to disobey you. We're just not going to listen to you, God. We're just going to do whatever we want. And so what did the people do? They married women, the men, they married women who worshiped false gods. And they compromised their relationship with the community. They compromised the entire community because they introduced polluted worship. And God was saying, that is not what I want. God said to these men, you were unfaithful to your wives and you've divorced your wives. And the reason that these men were being unfaithful and divorcing their wives was because when they came back from the exile, well, they didn't come back with money or possessions. And so they knew that if they married these pagan women, 
They could marry into money. They could marry into standing. They could marry into resources. And God said, you are disrupting the creation order. God said, that's not why I bring two people together to get married, so that you can further your own lives. God says, I bring people together in this covenant so they can produce a godly seed, so that they can raise up the next generation of believers, the next generation of God followers, the next generation of Christ followers. And see, the people were, they were saying, God, we don't care what you want. We're going to do what we want. See, the people were putting themselves first. They were saying, God, I'm going to do what I want, not what you want. They weren't concerned about their, their relationship with God. They weren't concerned about their marriage. And so they were unfaithful in their marriage. And so they were unfaithful for God. And see, when, when the people abandoned the relationship they had with their spouse, it's not too big of a leap to think they will abandon the relationship they have with God altogether. And so again, marriage is a metaphor in the Old Testament in the people's relationship with God and in the New Testament, people's relationship between Christ and the church. And what was happening, people were wandering away from their covenant commitments in marriage. And if people were so quick to wander away from covenant commitments in marriage, then it would be very easy for them to wander away from their covenant commitments to God. And that's not the kind of relationship that God wants for us to have. So I want to give you a list of four things that happen when we wander away, when we are unfaithful, not only in our marriages, but also in our relationship with God. Number one, it hurts innocent people. When we wander away from our covenant commitments in marriage and our relationship with God, innocent people get hurt. There is collateral damage. All of us can understand that. Number two, it violates God's covenant. And being in a covenant relationship with God is a serious thing. It is the most serious thing. Marriage is a relationship between a man and a woman. But do you know that that's not the most important relationship in our lives? The most important relationship in our life has to be our relationship to God. Individually and then as the two become one. We have to focus on that relationship. Because if that relationship isn't right, if that relationship isn't first, then anything else is going to be bad. Our relationship with God has to be the most important relationship in our life. Number three, it goes against God's divine purpose. God has a purpose for marriage. God brings people together for a reason. And it's so that he can be glorified. So that it can be a metaphor to non-believers of what faithfulness and love and forgiveness looks like. But when people don't live in that covenant, it's a bad witness. And number three, it angers God. God doesn't like it. God, in fact, it says later in this text, God hates divorce. Because God brings people together. And what God was saying is your fidelity is tied to your faith. That when we are faithful to God, when we are living that covenant relationship with God, that we're going to be able to live in healthy marriages and have healthy relationships with other people. And see, what was happening was the people were breaking faith. God brought them back from the covenant community, and they still didn't care. Zelmira and Herbert were married 87 years. They said divorce was never an option. They knew that they were going to have to find a way to work through all of the challenges. Marriage is, is work. Without question, it is work. Our relationship with God, it is work. But it is worth it. It is commanded by God. And see, what happens is there is a... 
there is a vertical and there is a horizontal relationship here in marriage. See, the, the, the horizontal is our marriage and our relationship to each other. And the vertical is our relationship with God. And when we are unfaithful in our marriage and we're unfaithful to God, it has all of these effects. And yet, I want us to understand where these people were. They came back from the exile. They refused to give God their best. They, God said, give me 10%. Give me 10% of your livestock. 10% of this. They said, we're not going to give you our best, God. We're going to give you leftovers. God said, I want you to have marriages within the covenant community because I have a divine purpose for the marriage to continue to grow the kingdom community. The people said, we don't care, God. We're going to do what we want because when I get married to these other people, I improve my social standing. So we don't care, God. So they do all that, but yet they come and they bring this leftover offering to God. They didn't give God their best. They've been unfaithful to their spouse. They're being unfaithful to God. And they give it. And what do you think God says? Oh, thank you so much. I just appreciate that. God says, I reject it. If you won't give me your best and give me your best first, if you won't be faithful in your covenant marriage and your covenant relationship with me, then I don't want it. And how do the, the people react? They go, but why? They say, Why? And God said, because you bring me these offerings. And it says, you weep and wail because you no longer look, God no longer looks on favor with you, your offerings, or accepts them. They says he flood the altar with tears. So these men who weren't putting God first, who were unfaithful in their marriage, who were unfaithful to God, bring these leftover offerings to God. And God says no. And they're crying, not because of their unfaithfulness to God or their spouse, because they're not getting the blessing. They were saying, God, we're not going to do anything that you say. We're not going to make you our top priority. We're not going to be faithful in our marriage. We're not going to be faithful to you. But why won't you bless me, God? And how often do we do that? We can sit here and we can read that and we go, I can't believe those knuckleheads. How in the world could they do that? But don't we? Don't we sometimes live unfaithfully to God? Don't we sometimes divorce ourselves from the covenant of a relationship with God? Sometimes we become unfaithful to God and divorce God for money. We say, I, I got to work longer hours. I got to make more money. I got to go in early. I got to stay late. I got to do whatever it takes because I got to get more money because I need more stuff. Or I got to do this and this. And what we do is we say, God, my time with you doesn't exist anymore. My worship of you isn't that important anymore because I'm married to this. How many times are we unfaithful to God and divorce God because, well, my kids have this. My kids have that. I can't go to church. I can't read the Bible. I can't pray. I can't. My kids. And what we're saying is, God, my kids are more important than you. And how many times are we unfaithful to God? And how many times do we divorce God by saying, God, I'm just too tired to praise you. I, I just got too much going on, God, to be with you. I got to take my rest. I've, I've got to relax. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing that. And that's what the people here were doing. They were putting themselves first. And God is trying to give them a wake-up call to say, that's not how a marriage works. Can you imagine if, if you got married and you only saw your spouse maybe once a month? It wouldn't feel much like a marriage. Can you imagine if you got married and you were trying to, to raise kids and you had a spouse that was never there? That would make it tough. And what God was saying to the people is if we're in a covenant relationship as God and the people of God, then we need to be together. 
And that manifests itself in our relationship and our marriage. Are we one? Are we worshiping together? Are we praying together? Are we serving together? Because the two become one, and that one is accountable to God. And what was happening is they were breaking faith with God. Make no mistake, God loves his people. God loves you and God loves me, but God will judge us. God will hold us accountable. And that's a dirty word in our culture today, accountable. Nobody likes to think about being accountable other than to ourselves. But if we don't talk about God's accountability in church, then we're never going to hear it in the culture. But God was saying to his people then, and it says to us now, we're accountable to God. And we're called to be faithful to God in every possible way. I want to go back to, to Zelmira and Herbert because I love what they said to this question. They said, you got married very young. How did you both manage to grow as individuals yet not grow apart as a couple? And they said, everyone who plants a seed and harvests the crop celebrates together. We are individuals but accomplish more together. They're sowing the seeds of faithfulness. They're sowing the seeds of covenant relationship with each other and with God. And when you do that together, you harvest together, you celebrate together. All of us right now, we are the bride of Christ. Right here, everybody in this room, we are the bride of Christ. And when we worship together and, and we serve together and we go deeper in God's word together, we're planting seeds and then we will harvest together with the Lord when he returns and we will celebrate together. But if we are unfaithful in our relationship with God, just like when there is unfaithfulness in a marriage it causes pain and, and struggle and problems. And God is saying, be faithful in your marriages. Be faithful in your covenant with your wife. Be faithful in your covenant with me. And you will reap a harvest of blessing in your marriage and in the kingdom that will come. God has been putting his people on trial. And he's, he's presented a pretty good case. And sometimes we think that that there's no coming back from certain things in our life. Some people think there's no coming back from divorce. That's not true. There is a way back because God loves us, because God is our redeemer. It's not an unforgivable sin because God pursues us. Do you know how much God has pursued you and I? He sent his only son. I want to read to you what scripture says in the New Testament about marriage. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word. God is in the reconciliation business in our marriages and most importantly in our relationship with him, that he sent his son as a model of sacrifice and service. He sent his son so that if you and I have drifted away from our covenant commitments, that Jesus is there to bring us back, to, to help us reestablish, to help reignite our love, our passionate love for our first love, which is God. And sometimes we wander away from that first love. Just as the men in the covenant community were divorcing the wives of their youth to marry something that gave them, they thought, a better life because these pagan women had money and merchandise. But God is a redeemer. But sometimes people don't even know that they are wandering from God. I want to give you three things that can help you say, am I being unfaithful in my relationship with God? Because marriage is a metaphor for that. Number one. 
if you are not consistently worshiping God, if you are not in a place where you say, I want to worship God in the covenant community with my brothers and sisters in Christ every week, if you are not worshiping God on a daily basis by saying, God, I'm going to pray every day, I'm going to be in your word every day, then you may be unfaithful to God. You may be divorcing God out of your daily life, out of all of your life, and you don't know it. Number two, if you are not faithfully tithing, God commands us to tithe. If we are not faithfully tithing, if we are saying, no, God, it's about me. No, God, I'm going to make sure I take care of me, and I'm not going to honor my commitment to you. Tithing isn't about money. Tithing is about our spiritual condition with God. Do we trust God? Do we put God first? Are we living faithfully in our covenant relationship with God? Number three, are we obediently serving? Are we saying, God, you've gifted me, you've given me these gifts. I'm going to serve the bride. I'm going to serve the church. I'm going to use whatever giftings, God, you've given me, and I want to glorify you by serving other people. Marriage is about serving your spouse. Marriage is about putting your spouse first. Marriage is about glorifying God as a husband and wife. God is telling his people, stop being unfaithful. Stop divorcing your wives. Be faithful. Come back to the wife of your youth. See, God hates divorce. He hates divorce in the marital sense, and he hates divorce particularly from his people when they turn their backs and they become unfaithful. But God is a pursuer of our hearts. God is pursuing your heart. God is pursuing my heart because he wants you in a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he sent his son so that we can reconnect, so that we can have reconciliation. God is saying that the purpose of marriage is to produce a seed or a holy seed. That is the next generation of worshipers, the next generation of Christ followers, whether that's through birth, adoption, mentoring, loving kids in your life, however that may be, we need to be faithful and model a covenant relationship with God. And that says, I am faithful to God. I'm in relationship with God in every way. And so when God talks about here that, that we need to guard ourselves, we need to guard ourselves from being unfaithful to God. There will be temptations to be unfaithful to God, just like there are temptations to be unfaithful to your spouse. But you have to say, what am I going to do to guard that I'm never in a position where I'd be unfaithful or I'd want to leave my, the love of my youth or I'd want to leave God? So when God says that you need, to, you need to protect yourself, God says if you are not going to protect yourself and you're going to be unfaithful, that's like an act of violence towards God. God, God gets offended when we're unfaithful to him. God gets offended when we're unfaithful to each other, particularly within the covenant of marriage. God wants to be in a relationship with you and with me. And all of us have tendencies to wander from God, to be unfaithful to God, but God is not going anywhere. Sometimes we hear the term a loveless marriage, that maybe one person in the marriage is not loving. If you feel that you have a loveless relationship with God, it's not God who's not loving you. God loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And if you have been unfaithful to God, and if you have divorced God, I've got great news for you. God still loves you. God still wants to be in relationship with you. God wants to seek reconciliation. Because God says to the men in the community who are divorcing their wives, he says they need to be put out of the covenant community. 
They need to be put out, no longer a part of it. And as terrible as that is, what's worse is when you and I are put out of the eternal covenant community, when we are unfaithful to God, when we divorce God from our lives, we will not be ushered into the eternal covenant community. Eighty-seven years they were married. Eighty-seven years. What's the best piece of marriage advice you've ever received, they ever asked? Respect, support, communicate with each other, be faithful, honest, and true. Love each other with all your heart. Great marriage advice. Great advice in our relationship with God. Can you say, I respect God, I support God, I communicate with God, I'm faithful to God, I'm honest to God, I'm true to God, and I love God with all my heart. That's the way that we live in covenant relationship in our marriages, and that's the way we live in covenant relationship with God. I'm going to ask our worship team to to come back up. God wants to be in a covenant relationship with you, and I want to encourage you today as we sing this song just to reflect, and and God already knows, but confess, God, I've been unfaithful to you. I've I've wandered, and, and Lord, I've tried to marry other things, but Lord, I want to come back to you. And maybe you say, well, I've just kind of divorced God because things haven't been going the way I think they should be going in life, so I just left God. God is still standing there at the door saying, come, knock, enter. I love you. I will welcome you back. God is in the reconciliation business. I want to give you three things just to to kind of think about uh, as we try to strengthen marriages and our relationship with God. Number one, live as one flesh before God. Even if you're not married, Live before God in a way that there's nothing separate from God in your life. If you are married as a husband and wife, come together as one before God. Number two, grow closer to God. People say, well, how do I do that? Know his ways. Read the Bible. Pray together. Zelmyra and Herbert said they prayed for and with each other. 87 years, pretty good advice. Number three, be faithful. Be faithful to God and be faithful to one another. Live in that covenant relationship with God and watch God grow you closer in your marriage and grow you closer to Him. Amen?